guys, we're in the middle of a pandemic and these are trying times. It's hard on our mental health, our mental state. And this is why I love our sponsor today, BetterHelp. They're the largest online counseling platform worldwide. They change the way people get help with facing life's challenges by providing convenient, discreet, affordable access to licensed therapists. BetterHelp makes professional counseling available anytime, anywhere, through a computer, tablet, or smartphone. It's brilliant. Sign up today. Go to betterhelp.com backslash solving healthcare and get 10% off sign up fees. COVID has affected us all, and with all the negativity surrounding it, it's often hard to find the positive. One of the blessings it has given us is the opportunity to build an avenue for creating change, starting right here in our community. Discussing topics that affect us most, such as racism in healthcare, maintaining a positive mindset, creating change, the importance of advocacy, and the many lessons we have all learned from COVID. If you or your organization are interested in speaking engagements, send a message to quadcast99 at gmail.com, reach out on Facebook at Quadcast, or online at drquadjo.ca. Welcome to Solving Healthcare. I'm Quadjo Caramante. I'm an ICU and palliative care physician here in Ottawa and the founder of Resource Optimization Network. We are on a mission to transform healthcare in Canada. I'm going to talk with physicians, nurses, administrators, patients, and their families because inefficiencies, overwork, and overcrowding affects us all. I believe it's time for a better healthcare system that's more cost-effective, dignified, and just for everyone involved. Qualcast Nation, welcome back. Tis the holiday season. It's the Omicron season, and uh, I decided to do a this solo cast basically because I feel like I got a lot on my chest and I might be a little bit disinhibited being post-call, but there's so much out there that's making me for lack of a better word, pissed in regards to COVID. I just, I, I, this, and this is my show. I'm, I'm going off a little bit. And the reason, one of the main themes is like, we don't seem to learn. Okay. Like I'm, I'm recording this, December 21st, 2021, we are almost two years into this pandemic and I feel like we are not learning. We are not trying. We're approaching the same problems, the same ways and expecting different results in a non-sustainable manner and not acknowledging what the repercussions of our actions can be or have shown to be and how myopic our thinking has been, single-focused, and not acknowledging the unintended consequences of our actions. So, you know, today, as I mentioned, Quebec, they're doing some form of lockdown. My kids, all these kids are being told, bring your stuff home. Looks like you're going to be doing online learning in the, in the, in the new year. And there's no end in sight. There is end in sight potentially, but we're acting like there's no end in sight. And this is, not sustainable. So here, I just wanted to put together just a few thoughts that I have in general, lessons from COVID, things that we need to rethink so that we could have a more sustainable outlook on things. Number one, I want our leaders to lead. I want them to stop instilling fear. I want them to instill confidence. I want them to tell us that we can get through this. We will get through this. There is an end in sight, and I want them to think about how to create that end in sight. Enough of this, 
oh, we got to do this more restriction. We got to do this. This is Omicron's coming. We don't know. We got to just be fearful of the unknown. You know what? We're, we're two years into this. Yes, there's some stuff about Omicron we don't know, but we know a lot about this pandemic. We know who gets the sickest. We know that vaccines work at reducing hospitalizations and deaths. We know what populations are, are most prone to get sick. We know metabolic disease matters. You know what I'm saying? So use this stuff to our advantage. Let's be more strategic, but at the same time, instilling some confidence. Let's communicate better. Let us come up with clear, concise messaging that doesn't confuse the public. Like the fact that the vaccine efficacy is, is confusing to, to, to many is on us. Yes, you get triple vaxxed, you got your booster, you could still swap positive. Yes, but are you likely to land in hospital? No, you've significantly reduced your chances of, of uh, reduced your chances of landing in hospital. That's the message. Simple. That's the message. You know what I'm saying? And like all this confusion, all this stuff, all it does is breed more garbage to anti-vax sentiment. And I'll say this other thing, the way we approach the communication and regarding vaccines, I want us to think that it's not just COVID-19 vaccines. It is vaccines forevermore. We have to instill confidence. We have to be upfront about what we know and what we don't know. Because if we aren't honest, that's used as fuel. Be like, remember what they were telling us about that vaccine back in the day? And now they got this other one? No way I'm taking that, even though it's going to save thousands of lives. You know what I'm saying? This is why honest, concise communication is essential. And we need to be doing a better, better job of that. Next, I want to talk about risk assessment. This is another thing we've done a poor job at communicating. The fact that you still see 23-year-old healthy people scared for their lives relative, like from COVID. And we know, once again, what those risk factors are. So, and, and, and the reason I also think this is important, so people can make decisions for themselves. You know, people that, you know, it's, Christmas, it's holiday season and they're, like, oh, can we get together? Well, even though we're a small group and I'm fully vaxxed, I'm triple vaxxed. Like, you need to know yourself, ask yourself, what is the risk to my family? And we, I don't think we've done a great job at articulating that. You know, if you're 83, you got type 2 diabetes, you got two doses, no booster. That's a lot different than the 23-year-old we just, talk, we just talked about. And you can make a more informed decision and a less fearful one. Because you know what the, the, the data is telling you. I, I, I think this is another thing that we, we got to think about moving forward. Next, I want to talk about models for crying out loud. Can you, someone tell me when these models, these projections have been accurate? Tell me about this. Like, and the fact that we base our policy on the projections, you know, it's not helpful. Like we need to be using real world empiric data. That should be the focus. What is happening to places that are two weeks ahead of us, three weeks ahead of us, a month ahead of us? What's happening in Denmark? What's happening in the UK? What's happening in South Africa? These, this is where a lot of the answers lie. You know what I'm saying? When I'm not going to say who comes on a microphone saying, 
yo, watch out. We could get up to 20,000 cases if we have it. If we let, if we let things rip 20,000 cases in ICU, I'm like, that's not even logical. This is someone that you, you we're putting in front of a mic, a leader, an expert that's letting it rain on media, 20,000 ICU cases in the fourth wave. God damn it. Like, and you wonder why people are nervous, anxious, fearful. Got to keep it real, man. Like, <laughs> that's, it's, it, oh, I don't want to go too far off on this one. But it goes back to even our decision-making. I do think a lot of the decision-makers we've made throughout this pandemic is not necessarily data-driven, but it's fear-driven. What if this? What if that? But what is the data telling us? The data has been reassuring. Like, I, I put a post recently on the latest Denmark uh, uh, Omicron data, which has been reassuring. And yes, it's early um, to be absolutely certain of anything. But it's, another, it's more information to, to let us know that maybe we are seeing less severe disease with Omicron. Like they currently have less than five Omicron cases in their ICU. Like that's a win so far. And, you know, I, I just really think when it comes to future decision making, we really need it to, to have comf- less of that fear lens and more of a data driven lens. And, and so we could come out with better outcomes. Um, you've heard me say this before too, but uh, I'd re- be remiss not to mention having a holistic approach. I talked about being in ICU. Nature of our job is we got to look at things in a holistic manner. You got to tell, I, I, I can't ignore the kidney. I can't ignore the lungs. I got to look at things in a, uh, uh, in, ho- in a holistic way because every if every move affects another organ or another part of the body. And so I got to ask myself, what is going to, what's the, what's going to lead you to your goal of being functional or to whatever your goal is? Like, this is the question and this is what the best course of action is. So if you lock down, how's that affecting economy? How's that affecting marginalized community? How's that affecting education? How's that affecting cancer screening? How's it affecting mental health? You can't ignore this shit because all that is health. And if the, if the end result is worsening of your, of, of this, your citizens or your overall well-being or overall health of your, of your population, you got to rejig your, your approach. You got to look at things again. You got you to gotta pivot, pivot. You know what I'm saying? holistic stop with the myopic lens no i'm saying the other thing i want to talk about we need to be able to openly communicate stop always looking for that black and white approach one of the things i i think it was you know at one point taboo to mention was that whole like does natural immunity matter for example i mean I might, I might get canceled for saying this, but think about if we acknowledge natural immunity, think, so, think about how much things will change. Workforce, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, and keep this in mind, I'm triple vaxxed, okay? But the people that came to me to say that, hey, you know, I don't know about getting another, uh, getting my vax because I've already had COVID. You know, um, it seems like I'm well-protected. You know, like, do I really need this? Uh, you know, I'm, 
And like, and you know, in Europe, legit, they're being acknowledged to having a, having a, um, a natural infection. If you had a documented infection within six months, you would get be part of your immunity uh, passport. Same thing here. Like why, why would that we not acknowledge that? And I'll tell you this much. Have I seen uh, double vax, triple vax patients land in ICU? Luckily, much less than vaccinated people, unvaccinated people. But I'll say this, I've yet to see somebody with a reinfection in ICU. So the data supports that, a lot of data I've seen supporting that natural immunity is strong. And I can't believe I have to say this. That doesn't mean go get COVID. You know what I mean? That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying those that have received it seem to have a strong level of immunity from what the data, the data I've seen and from my clinical experience. But yes, I think only in the pandemic it was taboo to speak about specific topics and this is not serving us well. We need to be able to have an open open dialogue about these things. Can't be canceled for bringing up things like myocarditis. Like these are people's lives. And, and by having that open dialogue, lives can be saved. And I mean, part of this is because I feel like the world's being run by Twitter right now, which is like the devil, by the way. Twitter equals devil. You know what I'm saying? I'm horns. Um, <laughs> yeah, and it's just meant to have that uh, in a, like uh, really create that uh, you know animosity. It, it really promotes partisanship, and it's just battle after battle. I just I think if we were actually if you were have a colleague that you were having a legit dis- disagreement with, if you pick up the phone and call them and chatted about it you're much more likely to be civil and much more likely to find a lot of more common ground than you think compared to trying to bust that out in 247 characters or whatever it is these days. We know COVID has been long and hard, but we can do something amazing together during this holiday season. I'm Kevin Crow, founder of Give a Mile, and we provide flights for people to be together that are dealing with palliative or critical care. Flights for our mothers, fathers, sons, sisters, daughters, And this holiday season, we're looking to give 40 incredible gifts of flights away from November 1st to January 1st. And this is where we need your help. We want to get connected to families that could use these flights. So if you know of a family that could use this incredible gift, please email us at info at giveamile.org. That's info at giveamile.org. And to find out more about Give a Mile, go to giveamile.org. Let's make this holiday season an incredible one of joy couple other lessons here that I'm we need to think about hospital capacity can you believe like I'm in Ontario hospital went to its knee or the society went to its knees for 900 ICU uh, patients with COVID in, a, in a, a province of 15 million like we really need this pandemic future pandemic to be able to ramp up capacity and, and, and really create that wiggle room for if some, something catastrophic, if and when another catastrophic event happens. And we could, we could have been working on this throughout this pandemic, creating more capacity. And I hope this is something that we take seriously. Other lesson here, stop fucking up our youth. Stop it. Taking away their activities, taking away their schooling. 
giving them no outs for uh, managing their, their stressors. Um, they have no funding for child, uh, like for like uh, seeing a psychologist, for example. Like, so our bridges over barrier, we had a meeting in early December and our frontline social workers are screaming at us saying, yo, the kids are struggling. They have n- never seen something like this. It's the next epidemic. Like, it's serious, man. It's our kids. And what are we doing about it? What are we talking about it? Are we investing in it? Are we um, providing them with help? You know, I, we set up a meeting next next week to try and, or next month uh, with some hopefully some people that could create some change to talk about, we need to obviously change how we provide uh, mental health to our kids. Cause this, our current formula, there's not enough resources. There's not enough person power. We can't do it. So how are we going to approach this bad boy? We need to think about this. The other thing in this pandemic, I'm surprised. Like I hope we learn is when we got, when we have wins, when we have positives, we got to take advantage of it. The fact that our kids much less likely to get sick before Omicron anyway, much less likely to transmit um, using the outdoor spaces. You've been using rapid antigen testing. Like those that follow me on the show, I've been busting this out since I want to say April, May of 2020. Why aren't we using rapid antigen testing? Didn't make sense. Oh, they're not as good as PCR. We want something more sensitive. So what avenue can we use them to really take advantage of it? Where you could get results in 15 minutes. We could use serial testing to really make sure that people could come in safely. I'll tell you right now, especially when you think about human resources in Omicron, you want to staff your ICU, you want to staff your hospital. Better be thinking of creative solutions. You know what I mean? You can't, we're in the state now, you can't wait for a PCR. You can't. It's like the the system is flooded. They're they're drowning, and so it's. I, I mean, the short version is I can't believe it. We waited this long to uh, utilize these things. Um, last couple of thoughts. Um, we need to our leaders, our uh, media, our people that have a. Uh, that have a like a platform. We need to be talking about an end game. We need to talk about how to achieve that end game. We need a framework that, if future variants come, we can handle it and maintain normal life. And this is going to take out of the box thinking. Stop approaching things as I mentioned in the same way, the same. Uh, and expecting different results. Like I get a lot of uh, questions. I brought this up on Twitter and they're like, Oh, quite Um, If you want uh, us to, to stop approaching things the same way, what are some of your ideas for uh, solutions? And it, you know, it's a fair question. And my answer is um, intervene. Think of interventions as a, as a tool instead of restrictions. Where are the, where are we seeing COVID? Uh, yeah, sorry. Where are the patients that are most likely to land in ICU and how are we going to intervene? Are we bringing vaccines to the underserved community? 
Are we bringing boosters to those that are high risk? Are we bringing, making sure they have access to rapid tests? Are we going to offer them therapeutics that have been deemed effective? Like you've heard how many times about the oral, oral medications that reduce hospitalizations. What about fluoxamine? Great, great study. I believe it was in the Lancet reducing uh, hospitalizations, uh, outpatient interventions that will prevent people from landing in hospital. Why aren't we providing that? Why don't we provide that upon testing? Hey, uh, you test positive, we will bring these therapeutics to you. Monoclonal antibodies. You just saw our, we had a show with Zane Chagla, reducing your risk of hospitalizations. You know, there's, I don't know how many clinics there are in the country, but certainly to look at the ones that are doing it well, we got it in Hamilton. You know, this ain't global. And so, like, innovate. Think outside the box. Intervene. Bring interventions to the people that need it the most. Protect our hospitals and allow us to get through this. Outside the box thinking. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, and don't get me wrong. I ain't no expert in any of this business. I'm by no means an expert, but I know what when things ain't working well. You know, and, and one of the makes you a strong clinician is when you need to realize what you're into, what you're doing is not working or is having some significant negative impacts. So let's let's pivot, pivot. Let's think outside the box. Let's think of a solution that we could create some win wins. And I'm not hearing enough dialogue about this. How are we creating win wins? How are we creating something more sustainable? And if you, and allowing people to have that dialogue and not get canceled, that's what we need more of moving forward. Anyways, people, thank you for letting me go off. Follow us on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok now. Craziness. Instagram, Facebook at Quadcast. Leave any messages or comments at Quadcast99 at gmail.com. If you haven't jumped on Solving Wellness, the community is growing and it's growing strong. Solving Wellness is a way of reducing burnout amongst healthcare providers and we're going to do it. We're going to do our part and uh, we want to give a shout out to our team, Sarah, Sarah, uh, Julia and company that really have made that magic work. Yeah, I just really want to uh, give love to everyone that's been supporting the show. I'm not sure if this is going to come out before the holidays, but if it is, happy holidays. We love you and stay safe.